ladies and gentlemen, as uh, we we mentioned, we're going to have uh, an interview with Tia. Tia, good morning. Welcome to Doug in the Morning. Good morning. How are you all? I am good. I am good. Uh, if, uh, how was your weekend? It was busy. <laughs> <laughs> Very busy as usual, huh? <laughs> yes, okay. Okay, so Tia, it's a pleasure to have you on Doug in the Morning. Uh, okay, so today we're going to talk about uh, being a hairstylist as a trade. Uh, what does it entail? But let's start first uh, with uh, you as a human being, as a black American. I, I don't want to say African-American, but I said at least black American, okay? So, uh, tell us a little bit about you, Tia. Well, thank you. Um, like I say, my name is Tia Madison, and I have lived in Georgia for a little bit over four years. I was born and raised in Illinois. I'm the mother of four sons. I am a widower, but God has blessed me again with the opportunity of love, and now I'm now engaged to another person. Um, it's wonderful. Um, professionally, I started doing hair in 1996. That's when I started my formal training. Um, got my license. My original um, aim because at the time I was a stay-at-home mom I just wanted to have something to fill my day uh, I waited till my youngest son was in school and then I went to school and got my training while my children were in school because again I was a wife and a stay-at-home mom and so when I got my license I really wasn't trying to do anything with it I just wanted to kind of expand my brain with a trade um, something that I could always fall back on. I never had any aspirations to do anything with it. And then fast forward four years into that. So I was licensed actually for four years um, before I actually put it to use. Now, here's one thing I want to say about being licensed. No matter what state you are licensed in, you have to keep it up. Um, it's not like you're licensed just one time and then that's it. You have to do a series of qualifications per your state to make sure you keep current. And there are very strenuous things, like some states require you to have continuing education hours where you physically have to go and get additional training um, on your dime. You know, they're not gonna provide you these classes for free. This training is, you know, it has a cash value applied to it, but you learn continuing expertise and specialty in your field of cosmetology. And then, you know, you show proof of that to your state and then you can renew your license. So there's quite a bit of money involved in the trade of cosmetology. It's, you know, you go to school once, you know, that's pretty expensive in itself. And then you have to stay renewable and then that's a whole nother fee and entity. So that brings it into what we, you know, we're going to talk about soon, the salary involved in this industry and what it takes to feel that you are valuable and what it attaches the money value towards the services you provide. You have to understand that we are licensed tradesmen, we are skilled. And so when you go to school, you pay all that money, you have to have a way to recoup your investment. Okay. So when people come and say, why does a haircut cost this much? 
I don't think people kind of, and they're not supposed to, I get it. They just want a haircut. But people don't involve the amount of money it took for you to even be licensed. You have to incorporate that into the price of what people are paying for. You know, okay. so not to digress off of that, but once I was licensed. Okay, uh, okay, before you, you go on, uh, Tia, is there a requirement for you to get the license? Do you need to have like a basic education, like a uh, yeah. high school diploma, GED, stuff like that? Yes, you do. Um, every state has a little bit different uh, laws, but everyone has to go to cosmetology school, and it has to be an approved, affiliated entity of that state. It cannot be something that someone just cooked up in the basement of their home. It has to be something that's affiliated with what the state's requiring. So you're going to go to school. You have to be at least a high school graduate or GED equivalent. Then you're going to go to school for approximately 1,500 credit hours. So what that means is if you are going to go to school for at least 30 hours a week, and that's normally a full-time school schedule, five days, four to five days a week, seven and a half hours a day, that will give you about 30 hours a week, then that will take you approximately nine, I mean, excuse me, 11 months to a year. Now, you can rev it up. You can go quicker. You can add more time. You can go on Saturdays. You can go at night. I mean, if your school allows for overtime, then you can get that license in as little as nine and a half months. But the state requires you have to be in school at least that amount of time. And so 1,500 hours later, that means you're approved to sit for a state board. You're going to take that state board. Once you pass that, then you can show that you're ready to get a license. So for the renewal, like uh, the continuing education, uh, so how long do you have to be licensed to get uh, to, to be to renew your license? Every two years, every three years, uh, how many? You know, how many years? Every two years, um, and see, there's different criteria. So when you're a stylist, it's probably every other odd year. If you are a teacher, because there's levels to cosmetology, and that was even another rabbit hole I didn't know. Every teacher's renewal is every other even year. So within that two-year frame, you have X amount of time to get X amount of continuing education. It can be in the form of online training. You can go to trade shows. You can actually go to seminars and classes. But you have to show proof of so many hours. Like, for instance, my reference point is normally Illinois because that's where I did most of my, you know, my training as well as my professional experience. Um, you have to have 14 CEU hours in Illinois. So that means in two years, seven of those hours can be online, but the follow the next seven have to be physical. You have to go somewhere and actually show proof that you paid. In Georgia, it's a lot more relaxed. You only need seven hours, excuse me, five hours, and they can all be done online. Wow. Okay. This is you have to go this, anywhere. You can turn on the computer, but you do have to pay for it. So that's $50 at least. And then you show proof that you paid, and then you have to, you know, renew your license within that time. Okay. Now, tell us a little bit more about the being a hairstylist. What do you really do? Do you only do a haircut? <laughs> now, here's the thing about being a cosmetology is the broad name. And okay. in that field of cosmetology, when you go to school, they're going to show you all things 
related to cosmetology, which is the science and art of hair, skin, and nails. So you're going to not only learn hair, you're going to learn about the body, and you're also going to learn about the nail care, including foot care. So once you're licensed as a cosmetologist, you actually can go in any of those areas. With that one license, you can do makeup, and you can be a you know, uh, manicures or someone who just specializes in nails and feet. You can do hair, all areas of hair. You can do color, you can do cutting, you can do a combination of it all. Or you can work in a top-notch salon where you do a full body spa. Like I could be a cosmetologist and I could work somewhere where some days I could do hair, some days I could do nails, and you can even do body massaging and makeup application. That one license will afford you the ability to do all of that. But what I choose to do in my part of what I do is because I've been licensed now for practically a little bit over 24 years, I kind of went the full circle. So I've been in education. I've been in platform education where you get on a stage and you train people. I've taught teachers. I've taught students. I have been a stylist. I got a lot of my training in haircutting and color. So those are my specialized fields. So if you give me an opportunity I really put all of my applied knowledge in the haircut. Um, I choose to do it at a at a model where it's just a family-based salon, but I could take my same skill, ramp it up a notch, and go higher if I choose to. And that's the beauty of cosmetology. You can go at whatever level you decide to. Oh, so when you say that go higher, you mean like you can have uh, some... Uh big uh, top-notch people like uh, actresses, uh, actors, uh, you know, you can do their hair for. Because I, I remember you were telling me the last time we spoke about it, uh, you were telling me, uh, uh, you were talking about a guy who made in like not not even a lot of hours, like a thousand dollars in one hour. So how could you make a thousand dollars in one hour doing? <laughs> how do you think that? Now, just to clarify, it wasn't one hour; it was in a day. But uh, the uh, okay, is, okay. Skill and whatever you're willing to invest yourself into learning and performing services on people, that skill can really gauge you a lot of money. And so you can take this skill and you can stay as low level as you want and say, "I just want to do hair cutting." or whoever comes in the door of my salon, or you can take your education and your skill and you can take it worldwide, you can take it nationwide. And it's all about connection and people. But if you apply yourself and you learn what you learn and you learn it to your best, people will pay for it. Because one thing I learned is when you do something that people want, price is the last thing they remember. They want that experience, they want that service. They don't care how much it costs. So when you get people who just say, why do I pay $20 for a haircut? Well, that's what they place value on. But you get people who will pay up to $500 for the same type of haircut. Now, is it the same haircut? Not necessarily so because the skill is there. It's a little bit different. They're going to take smaller partings. They're going to be more precise with how they hold the hair. It's going to be more elevated. But the money is there. So, yeah, people will go higher with their field. Um, and just to clarify that example, I worked with a guy as an intern. He was specialized in the time of hair extension. And there was this new way of doing it at the time. It was fusion. Now it's more common. But back then, this was mm, 1998. 
1999. And I remember, and I was as an apprentice, a lady came in from California. She paid her own way to come to Midwest Illinois and her service that day, and I helped him do her hair, it was $750, and she tipped him the rest to make it an even thousand. When I saw that, <laughs> and I wasn't even licensed yet, I was still a student, it blew my mind to the point of I know where this thing can take me if I choose to apply myself. So, yes, the money is in cosmetology. Really so, uh, you give me, like, the, a little bit the highest. Now, on the low hand... Right, how much uh, average someone can make uh, uh, in a year? How much money a hairstylist just doing, you know, basic thing can make in a year? If you just come in and you just are first year stylist, even up to three years, um, I wrote it down. Your median average salary, according to U.S. News and Money, in 2019, even in the low ranking tiers, if you're adding your tips in on an hourly basis because you got to understand this hair game thing is never an exact amount that you make an hour and the reason I say is because the hours you put in add that to the amount it you, you charge for your services and how many people you do a day that is what equals your total so you can you can have people who can do just one person a day well of course you're not going to make any money but take me for example, I average at least 20 customers a day. So of course I'm gonna make money. But on the low end, even on the average, you're gonna make at least 24,000 to 34,000 a year. So if you break that down, if you wanna be slow and you don't really wanna make a lot of money, it's gonna to amount to a few pennies. You're probably gonna be making like $9 an hour. You're not gonna be making much on commission. But it's something. But if you put in the work, you average out your hours, you're there more than 35 hours a week, you try to get at least 10 people in your chair a day, you make your services at least $20 a service, there is no reason why you can't make at least 40000 a year. And that's in the first year. And that's a good wage. That's a good living wage, especially in Georgia. Okay, so, okay. Okay, so there's uh, some kind of money in doing this uh, okay so just just uh, between us uh, somebody just asked me uh, to, to, to uh, just told me to tell you to ask you that why would you charge me a thousand dollars to to do my hair well <laughs> now this was a this was a specific service I wouldn't charge thirty thousand for a haircut of course not but this was an extension service. This was a woman taking her hair, making it longer, and it was going almost hair strand by hair strand. So, of course, you got to factor in the time. Me and that man, we were there about four hours doing that lady's hair. Okay. He was adding her hair. Her hair went from shoulder length to probably about the middle of her back, taking very precise section by section. Yeah. And of course, it wasn't it wasn't a thousand dollars. It was seven hundred and fifty dollars in nineteen ninety eight. But she tipped them enough to make it a thousand dollars. So you know, she almost tipped them half of what she was charged. So when you answer that question in the general term, why would you pay a thousand? Why would you pay anything? 
It's because of the skill we take to do something that you can't do for yourself and the time. No different than a mechanic at a car shop. You got to include that labor. You got to include that expertise because here's the thing. If you could do it just as good as I can do it and make sure it looks just as good, if not better, then why not do it yourself? But the answer is you can't. Okay. So this, you pay this, people for their time. This is good. This is good. Uh, we really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us about your trade. Um, uh, it's 11.48, so... <laughs> you know, I, really, I do your hair. You know, I just, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I know you can talk, and we can talk, too. <laughs> so, so um, tell us a little bit about where you're from. I know you're from Illinois, that's what you said, right? Right. Yeah, you just talk a little bit about that, and then we can end uh, with uh, my last okay. question with the with the air stylist trade. So, okay. how, how is uh, Chicago? How is it? You you from Chicago, right? Right, I'm from the lower part of the state. My mother and father. My mother is from Chicago. Mm -hmm. I still have a lot of family there, so I'm very familiar with it. But when my mother was 13, she moved from the actual city. Um, she moved from the city in 1969, and the reason why is because they had to escape the situation that was going on. You got to understand that it was civil rights times, you know, the out the falling out of civil rights times, and my grandparents they just did not want to be part of that structure anymore. So they moved their family down mm, about two and a half hours south, which is where I was born. So I was literally born in a place where you see cows and horses and you can leave your door unlocked, but which is a very different, different environment if you go just two and a half hours back up north, which is Chicago, which is very, very, I mean, even today we go, I was just up there in July, my son got married and even though I say we're from downstate Illinois, we still, because we're in Illinois, if we go that far up home, we're going to make sure we go see everybody. And there's always something going on in the city of Chicago where you have to really take a stand for what you believe in because you're going to live by that code. So, for instance, we got all these movements going on and such like that, and people decide how they want to handle, how they feel about the issues that are going on. And it's just like Chicago right now. It's like a powder keg in some ways. So when we go even to visit our family even because the things that are going on in Chicago right now, you cannot just walk freely around. And, you know, our family lives in the neighborhood of Chicago. You think of the skyline, you think of all the tourism. There's so much more to Chicago than that. And when we go to Chicago, we don't go to those places. We go to people's houses. So you're really on the street. You're really in the neighborhood. And what's scary about it is you can't even go and visit without having really a plan. Like, um, I mean, just to be honest, you, you got to call ahead. This is what we have to do. We have to call ahead and tell our family we're on the way. They start looking out for us on the street. We pull up. The door is ready for us to come in. They got ironclad gates, and we go right in. There's no hanging around the cars. There's no sitting around outside by the trunk and while we're getting our bags. No, you get your bags, you go in. The reason why is because there's so much going on. You can be a victim of random violence just like that. So in other words, it's not it's not a safe city. 
it's really not. It's really not. Um, even though you want to go and feel like you can relax, you really can't. And here's a little quick story. Um, my sister-in-law, she was getting the oil change, and we wanted to go visit her. Um, she wasn't back yet, and we called her, and she was like, well, I think I'll be another hour. I wanted just to ride around. I was like, well, let's just ride around till she gets home. My fiance was like, we can't just ride around. You got to figure out somewhere to go and get there because you can get shot just being at a red light. I mean, that is very real. It's, it's real. You want to say that it's not, but it's real. So it's crazy. You, know, you got to know where you're going and get there. That's all I can say. <laughs> so, so why is it so? Why? Do, do, you, do you have any idea? I just, I don't, I just really don't know. I, I don't. It makes me sad to even kind of think about it because the communities we're in are black. So it's not like these outsiders are coming into our neighborhoods and doing something wrong to us. It's us against us. So that's what makes it sad. Um, and the reasons why I just don't know, because even though we're all in level, it's not like we live in the poorest parts of Chicago. I mean, we're pretty well off, believe it or not. So the people walking around, you don't see them with nothing less than what we would be wearing. Everybody looks nice, dressed nice. I mean, they got on better stuff than us. But I just, I don't know. I don't know if it's about control or if it's about ego or just I can do something to you to show you that I can. I have no idea. But I just know that it's, it's truly sad. But um, was the... Was the violence, uh, the problem over there, part of uh, your decision to uh, to come to Georgia State? No, not really. Because here's the thing, Dugay. Um, when you're part of that for so long, you just get used to it. Mm -hmm. You just you don't you don't walk around in fear. Like even though these things are happening. <laughs> It doesn't scare you. You, you kind of much be like, well, if it's my time, my time. You just got to be alert and be aware and then that keep living. So, no, it didn't make my decision. If anything, I was so conditioned to what was going on up there. Um, when I moved to Georgia, it was a different sense of crime and violence and things like that because it seemed like people from the outside were doing things to you. And that's kind of what jarred me down in Georgia. I was kind of nervous about that. You know, so I don't know. I, I felt more comfortable up north than down here, to be honest. But, yeah, you okay. don't No, That wasn't my decision. Okay. So uh, to uh, conclude, uh, the in, in your opinion, not, I mean, do you encourage people to be uh, to be hairstylist uh, it, because according to you it's a it's it's a great trade right so you would not have any problem to recommend people to be uh, to become a hairstylist. Okay, I tell you, not at all. One thing about it is the hairstyling industry can never be oversaturated, and the reason why is because we always need people to do someone's hair. So you won't have a sense of there's too many hairstylists in the world and not enough clients. Um, it's ever growing, even in times of depression, economic recession, all of those things going on, even when the housing market crashed, people still save money to get their hair finished because getting your hair done, it, it serves a psychological purpose. It makes you feel better, it makes you look better. 
And then sometimes people need haircuts to keep their professional side looking great. You know, you can't go to work with your hair just shaggy and long. So we're always necessary for that. So I tell people, this is a recession-proof industry. When everybody else around you is crumbling, and my, I mean, Duque, you know that for sure. We're in COVID times. But even coming into my shop, you see I'm there ready to do hair, and I am always productive, you know. So people are still going to get their hair done. And if, and if that's something that appeals to you, then that's a great thing because this is a skill. It's a trade. You can take it anywhere you want. You can never lose what you learn. And I mean, you can only make more money from it if you choose to. You can't make less. Only way you can make less money is if you stop doing hair. Okay. So uh, uh, the, the question I was, uh, I mean, let's do a follow-up question, like what they call in, uh, in broadcasting a segue. Uh, mm -hmm. COVID, has COVID uh, impact, uh, impacted your, your trade, uh, being a hairstylist? It, it, it only did in the way of people's fears. Um, when it first started, of course, everybody understandably was just so afraid. We didn't understand what to expect, how safe it would be. Would we be transferring the virus through our work? There were so many concerns. But once we got to work and we learned how much care we take to providing a safe environment, and some of the ways we do is we make sure that our, our stylists are socially distanced. So you don't have stylists next to each other anymore. They're always at least a chair apart. You have clients who are not just waiting in the lobby anymore. You gotta, you know, probably phone ahead or try to make sure we expect you. If people just start walking in the door, we, we accept that, but we don't let more than 10 people be in the building total ever. We sanitize the chair, we sanitize our hands, we make sure every piece of clothing that touched you has been properly washed. We don't use a cape on you that's been used on someone else. Our tools are disinfected. So we do all those things to make sure you're safe in our space. Um, but other than that, people are just taking their time to kind of come back. Um, you got to understand a lot of people to get their hair done are elderly and they're the most compromised community in this thing. So they're not running back. And a lot of that is our bread and butter because an elderly person is going to come pretty much every week, every other week. They want their hair to look the same all the time. So yes, it has impacted us a little bit financially, but people are still coming to get their hair done. So it's just, we just got to take it as it comes. And hopefully when this thing dies down or we get a little more control over it, we can get back to having those larger volumes. Okay. Wow. Uh, we have so many stuff we can talk about, but let's do it. <laughs> let's uh, put it for another, time. <laughs> for another time. I know you have an appointment and I have to end my show. So <laughs> let's do another show uh, another time. We really appreciate uh, your help, you know, giving you. the community the information that they need uh, to, uh, you know, to succeed. Because this is a trade that, uh, you know, I was talking about computer, a bunch of stuff that people can do without having a four-year degree, you know. And they still right. can make, a, a, you know, a standard living, a good living, right. you know, without any right. problem. Driving a little nice car, having mortgage, paying your mortgage right. off uh, without any problem. That's right. Yeah. So, thank you very much. We'll Thank talk you. another time uh, and Thank see you, you see you in a month. <laughs> <laughs>
Okay. I'll be there. Take care, people. Bye-bye. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thanks. Take care. Voilà, mesdames et messieurs, c'est ça. Nous t'aiguons avec nous. Euh, nous t'aiguons avec nous. Euh, ti 